We're going to hear that scripture now from John 6, 35 to 59. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everything Abba God gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that God has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Abba, that all who see and believe in the only begotten may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the temple authorities began to complain about Jesus, because he said, I am bread that came from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by Abba God who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written by the prophets, and they all shall be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen Abba God, only the one who is from God has seen Abba God. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that, the one, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give will be, will be the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. The temple authorities then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the chosen one, you will have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Abba God sent me and I live because of Abba God, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things while he was teaching in a synagogue at Capernaum. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Our next hymn is 480. All of these songs are right, they're neighbors of each other in, uh, <clears throat> in Voices Together. Uh, and there's the Spanish in Voices Together too. If, if you want to sing the Spanish verses and have that, uh, have the book with you, but they will not be on your screen. 
was a particular delight to add my alto from where I sit uh, to you, Amy, and Joanne creating that music together in that room. Thank you. What a gorgeous gift that is to me and to so many of us. And honestly, singing those words to that most glorious of music, um, actually distances us, I think, somewhat from just how weird these weird words are. <laughs> so we're going to dive into some, just how weird <laughs> some of these words are. But I'm going to start by sharing that one of the things that John likes to do throughout his gospel is to pair a sign 
with discourse. And Amy in her sermon last week talked about the prevalence of signs in John's gospel. He calls them signs, not miracles. And so there's often a sign followed by discourse. And that <laughs> discourse, again, is sort of a tidy, quaint word for the Jesus that we encounter in the gospel of John. The discourse is often very loquacious and kind of goes on and on and spins out in some strange directions. Uh, Jesus is quite the character in the gospel of John. Well, our narrative lectionary reading for this morning gave us the discourse. It did not give us the sign. Uh, the sign that preceded this discourse earlier in the chapter is the very familiar story of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, part of why the feeding of the 5,000 is such a familiar story is because it is one of those rare stories that appears in all four of the Gospels. Now, partly because of that, and partly because in the Revised Common Lectionary, which is the lectionary that most of you probably, if you had a lectionary in your churches growing up and through all your years, it was the Revised Common Lectionary. We at SMC are in our fourth year of the narrative lectionary. In the Revised Common Lectionary, John does not get a year. So we get less of John. He's kind of sprinkled throughout at various points in all three years, but we never get a year that's dedicated to John. So honestly, this is the first time in my life um, and certainly in my preaching life that I've had this extended opportunity to dig into John. Because the feeding of the 5,000 appears in all four gospels, we never hear John's version. And it is similar, like the broad strokes across all four gospels are the same, but there's some unique things about John that I wanna highlight. So just very briefly, this is the sign that precedes the discourse. In the feeding of the 5,000 in John, Jesus initiates the question of the disciples, where can we buy bread for all these people? And then Philip, who is named, Philip says, uh, not even with 200 days wages, could we give each person here one mouthful? very specific, specific in ways that the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are not. And then Andrew, another named disciple says, well, here's a boy with five barley loaves and two dried fish. Now, interesting in John, it's the only time that we know that the loaves are barley. Um, so many little side notes that I want to give you. Barley is often understood as a peasant bread, but I was also in conversation with some colleagues and one of them said barley loaves were also traveling bread. It was bread for the road, bread that you packed up to head out on a journey, which totally fits with John's, the word became flesh and pitched a tent, a tabernacle, a moving space among us. Okay, so Andrew says, here's the boy with five barley loaves and two dried fish. And then Jesus says, well, make them all sit. And that's when we learn that it's actually 5,000 men. It's not 5,000 humans. It's 5,000 men. And there are also women and children present. So this is actually the feeding of far more than 5,000. After Jesus makes the people sit, he gives thanks. Um, and then the people eat until they are filled. And then they collect the baskets of leftovers. So all fairly similar. 
Here's a really unique thing about John's version of this story. At the end of this feeding, the people say, this is the prophet. The prophet has returned. And then they want to carry him off. Another version says, take him by force to crown him as ruler, as king, as emperor, as leader of this new empire. And then Jesus, according to John, escapes into the hills to be alone. That's the sign. That's the sign that precedes this uh, imminently weird discourse. Jesus begins his discourse talking with the people by saying, I am the bread of life. We've now talked several times about how that I am is going to become a refrain. And this, in fact, is the first of seven I am blank. He said I am already on its own. Jesus did. But this is the first time he says I am the bread of life. There will be a total of seven of these through the gospel. I am the bread of life. And then Amy read it so beautifully and then sang it so beautifully. And it's so familiar that I think you're just going to have just try to read it with fresh eyes. I'm not going to reread it for you. But Jesus says some deeply weird things. And then the temple authorities say, um, we know this kid. I mean, this is, this is Mary and Joseph's son, right? Like, we, what is he talking about? And then Jesus says some even weirder things. Like he kind of goes a deeper dive, compares himself with manna, does this whole strange exegesis. And then the temple theory authorities response to that, the comeback is, huh? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And then Jesus gets even weirder. And this is the part that Amy referenced at the beginning. Is he a vampire or is he a zombie? Um, he could be either. But um, what is happening here is Jesus is saying, you need to munch on my flesh and drink my blood. It is tempting to hear communion language here, but it's not the same. I'm going to say more about that in just a minute, but I think just for fun, um, because we're on Zoom, I'm going to share with you a meme, pastor meme that I think you all will enjoy. So there you can look at your screens. And uh, there's nothing less funny than describing a joke aloud, but because we have a couple of people on phones, <laughs> I am going to describe what we are looking at here. We're looking at an image of two humans in a vehicle. One of them, mm, short cropped brown hair, fair-skinned, maybe wearing a blue hoodie, looking pretty quote-unquote normal. That person is listed as Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then the person sitting next to uh, them is adorned with a sort of bedazzled wig and big feathers and a giant hot pink feather boa and ostentatious sunglasses that are pink and red and big and bold. And that one is listed as 
John. Indeed, John, John just likes to go for it. John gives us an ostentatious Jesus and, and a over-the-top story. Yes, Ken Crable saying Elton John. I don't know that, is it actually Elton John? I don't know that it was, but it looks like Elton John. Absolutely that vibe. So there is temptation when we hear this flesh and blood language to hear communion. We've become so accustomed to that. But there are some significant differences between John and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. First of all, this is not the institution of the Lord's Supper. That's not what's happening here. It is not the Passover meal. In fact, Jesus and the disciples are not even sitting around a table. As far as we know, there's no bread anywhere within sight when, John, when Jesus is saying these things about eating his flesh. So this is not the institution of the Lord's Supper. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is the institution of the Lord's Supper. It happens once they get to Jerusalem at the end of the story. It's the Passover meal. It's the last meal that Jesus shares with his disciples before he is arrested. In John, we get foot washing at that point, and there's no institution of the Lord's Supper. So John is going to give us that Passover meal the way that Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. But in John's Passover meal, we get foot washing. This discourse on bread and body and flesh and blood is different. They're not sitting around a table. Jesus is not telling them, giving them communion. He's not telling them how to do a ritual to remember him for the rest of his life. Another difference in John is that he actually uses the word flesh versus body. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they tell the story of the institution of the Lord's Supper, they use soma, body. This is my body given for you. John is the only one. John, with his feather boa, says flesh, like flesh, like the way we think of flesh. Fleshy, fleshy, meaty flesh. And not only that, John says munch. He's got a different verb than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's very graphic. It, this is munching flesh. He also has drinking blood. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have cup. They all talk about the language of the cup, drinking this cup this cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood. So there is blood, but there's this more focus on the drinking of the cup. John is munching flesh and drinking blood. It is out there and it's out there intentionally, I think, to get our attention, right? This is to get our attention. This is not literal. Generally speaking, one of the things that we know about the gospel of John in his time and his place is that he was writing this gospel for a whole lot of reasons, but one of the reasons was as a counter to docetism, and docetism was, uh, I mean, it's now understood to be heretical, right? It's one of those early form formal heresies. Docetism repudiated uh, it basically said that Christ's body wasn't actually human, that Jesus was just God somehow, 
And so it's this very spiritualized, Jesus's body just looked like a body, but it wasn't actually a body because actually he was a heavenly being and a God. And John is trying to counter that. We often think of him as a spiritualized gospel, but he's countering that with a very incarnational theology. He's saying, nope, Jesus was flesh. He was meaty. He had sinews and bones and veins, and he was fleshy. This is the word enfleshed. And so now we have Jesus saying, you've got to munch my flesh to eat, to live forever. So what does it actually mean? Now that I've said all the things that stand John apart from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the way that this text is, we read it and it's, we can just hear our communion liturgy. And so it's kind of hard sometimes to tap into just how strange this is. What does it actually mean to munch Jesus's flesh? Well, this is my best take on it today. I think that what John is wanting to communicate in this discourse following the sign of the feeding of the way more than 5,000 humans is that we are invited to take the enfleshed life of Jesus deeply into us, into our lived lives. And that taking in that enfleshed, that bodily life of Jesus, taking that fully into ourselves means, for example, we're going to learn lots of things in the gospel of John about what he understands the Jesus way to be. But what we know in this sign and this discourse, part of what that means is that we feed the many without thought of cost. Where can we buy bread? 200 days wages. Couldn't give them a mouthful. Okay, well, here we go. What do you got? It means meeting the world's need with abundance. Eschewing the world's fascination with scarcity. Like there's not going to be enough. Even with 200 days wages, we couldn't even give them a single mouthful. It's eschewing that scarcity mindset and meeting need with abundance. That is one example, just from this one example. Of course, we're gonna get more in the gospel of John, but that is one example of what it means to live the way of Jesus. And then in the wake of meeting the world's need with abundance, refusing the world's kingship, refusing the world's offer of power over, the world will see a sign like that and want to elevate. Oh, now you are in charge. The Jesus way is issuing that kind of kingship or power over. Jesus in this last section where he says, you need to munch on my flesh. He says, those who eat abide in me and I in them. This is about transformed lives. And in so doing and having our lives transformed into this way, this abundant way of Jesus, we live forever. In some ways, I'd rather, honestly, that this just be the institution of the Lord's Supper, that this just, 
be language for a ritual that we all will practice as a community that we can metaphorically take in the body and blood of Jesus and remember that night on which he was betrayed into the hands of unjust powers. It'd be a little bit simpler <laughs> if this were the institution of the Lord's Supper, but it's not. This is munching flesh. This is taking into myself the life and the way of Jesus and being transformed by it. I noticed when Amy concluded the scripture reading, you know, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, here it is, the word of God within us. This is the munching the flesh and taking in the way of Jesus into our own bodies and lived lives and being transformed by it. This is life altering stuff. It's not simple. And yet it is the path that I and we have chosen. It's the path that I've committed to. It's the path that I try to return to again and again and have to keep returning to again and again because it's so easy to veer off so that day by day by day we may live, not just survive, but we may live forever in that abundant way of Jesus. On my best days, there's no question that's who I want to be, one who abides in the lived life of Jesus, the enfleshed way of Jesus, and to experience as Jesus' life and way abiding in me and transforming me from the inside out. On my best days, I want to be the one who is responding to the world's need with God's abundance, feeding many without thought of cost and eschewing the world's powers. May we, church, may we enflesh this abundance in our life together. Indeed, may we munch Jesus's flesh. Amen, and may it be so.